Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the third and final part of our full interview with Philip Costa and Jan Willem Atterveld from the Automation Boutique, where we will discuss how OPAs can help automate treasury tasks. Philip Costa Hebert is the founder of Automation Boutique and an accomplished automation manager specialized in finance and treasury. Jan Willem Atterveld is an expert in navigating tools like OPAs, APIs, and artificial intelligence, which, along with his extensive treasury experience, enables him to steer businesses towards optimization. In the episode of today, expect to learn what are the applications of RPAs in corporate treasury, learn more about a use case Automation Boutique worked us through, how those AI can complement RPAs in the context of treasury operations, what future trends can we expect to see in the intersection of AI, RPAs, and treasury, and like always, much, much more. Our conversation with Philip and Jan William was really, really cool. Those two are doing things in the treasury space that we don't see everywhere. Plus, they have this no-nonsense approach that Hussam and I really, really enjoy. And we hope you will enjoy the episode too. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The only way we can get more and more amazing guests and get more people to learn about treasury is thanks to you. So if you enjoy what you hear and maybe you learn a thing or two, please consider following the show, leaving a review, or sharing this episode to help others discover it too. And with all that being said, please welcome Philip and Jan Willem. Guys, we talked a lot of pros for RPA and how it's amazing and how it saves everything, uh, if it's applicable, that is. What are, the, what are the drawbacks? So why, outside of, okay, this perhaps just doesn't need to be uh, automated or could be done in a simpler way, what are the other drawbacks of implementing an RPA in your treasury systems? Ideally, if you start designing a system, for example, treasury management system, you want uh, that system to capture, well, all treasury processes. Uh, so ideally, if you have certain reporting needs or your data needs to be put into, uh, for example, a multi-dealer platform to, to trade FX, ideally that should happen, well, within the, the treasury management system. However, we see that yeah, not all treasury management systems uh, offer full capabilities to uh, support all the treasurer's needs. So, f so for those processes which require the interaction between different applications outside of the TMS, yeah, their RPA is, is a solution, but we, we don't see it as the, the holy grail. We are not preaching that every company should, yeah, start using RPA first. Ideally, you want to, uh, yeah, to have your processes automated at the base layer. And I think another or related issue is that RPA can become victim of its own success, meaning that they can enable messy setups. Maybe that's what the embedding is saying as well. Since it's quite easy to deploy, you, it is quite quick. You might have the tendency to automate things which shouldn't be automated like that at least. And you might have start having 
robots doing things which shouldn't, they should not be doing. And if you have messy processes, you might start automating messy processes. But that the, the RPA layer on top is at one point is going to suffer from the messiness and it's going to make your messiness go times 10 or to the power of 10 even. Whereas you should still go back in the end, roll up your sleeves, have a look at what is happening, who is doing what and why, most importantly, uh, before you start throwing a bot at it. Because yeah, in, in the end, the biggest pain point is going to be the maintenance. As we discussed, maintaining one bot is not hard. Even a non-technical person can understand. But if you have 200 automations running unnecessarily or in a very confusing on a spaghetti way, it, it was a mess before. It will be a bigger mess now to, to handle. Yeah, I like, I like that thought process overall, which is don't stick a robot on something that's already a mess. There's a, there's a saying for that. No, there is a saying for that, like uh, you should tidy up something before you automate it. I can't remember. Actually, something you said before as well, Elon Musk has a really interesting quote where he says, um, the biggest mistake good engineers make is optimizing a process which shouldn't exist in the first place, which is because we're taught to just make everything better instead of challenging if it should exist there in the first place or not. <laughs> exactly. And this ties into the other like uh, garbage in, garbage out. It, it's the same concept. If your process is crap, then the automated process it might look good at first, but it will be crap, I promise. Super cool. Um, guys, bring it to corporate treasury for us. So um, specifically in corporate treasury, what are the uh, most common applications that you guys have worked with um, that like, as soon as you come in, like 90%, 80% of the requests are always for the same thing. What, what is that? Or is it like that? The thing which comes to mind immediately is reporting. And that means generating reports, uh, distributing reports, getting the data for the reports. Uh, reporting is uh, number one. I think a close number two on top of my head will be master data uploads. So often if you're doing uh, a new implementation, system implementation, or even maintenance of an implementation, you need to handle all the different master data, all your clients, all your vendors, all of that migration of data. Some TMSs, some systems are friendly in that. Some are not. And some still require you or someone to input data and their bot is perfect. We've done it uh, with a few clients already who were planning to hire an intern uh, trainee for a summer just to do data entry. Uh, I think we saved someone's life by having a bot instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think these are the two. Yamilam, can you think of uh, on top of your head all the top use cases? Yeah, over the last few weeks, I've talked to, well, at least two companies who uh, had a liquidity forecast in their TMS. And based on that forecast, they wanted to send yeah, some data to their multi-dealer trading platform. And that was always done manually. And that was, uh, yeah, so basically a process that requires more, yeah, different applications to have that, an automation for that in place. So, so the risk management is, uh, is quite a hot topic as well. And also just the, the, the intercompany communication, like you have a treasury department, which, which some subsidiaries, there's an internal loan that uh, matures. Well, especially the, the larger treasury departments are sending out a lot of emails. Hey, what needs to happen with this loan or this swap or what have you? Yeah. To automate that process is, uh, is also, uh, something that takes away a lot of, uh, yeah, emails basically and, and, uh, and saves a lot of time. So everything that makes, yeah, just uh, the 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 day-to-day -day 
activities of the treasurer more easy and robust where we see uh, uh, that there's uh, a demand. Awesome. And so linking to that singer's praise of automation boutique, guys, could you walk us through a success story of a company for which you implemented an RPA? And by that, I mean, what was the problem statement in the first place? Why was the RPA the good solution? And not just to say, guys, kill this process. Uh, what were the benefits and outcomes afterwards? And eventual challenges you faced and the whole the whole story. Yeah, I'm thinking which one to share with you. Can be anonymized, Philip. You don't have to state the name of the of the client. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe I I will not share the name of the client. Yeah, maybe. Well, I can link. I mentioned the PDF example before, so we have used a very similar case already for a client. So the use case was receiving a few hundred deal confirmations from eight different banks, and those from those deal confirmations, you need to uh, run them in, in a model to get the uh, mark to market valuation of those deals. Those deals today, the key pain point was someone, actually two people involved in scraping the data from that PDF. So you first need to understand what bank is it from, what template is it, what data do you need to get from that uh, PDF, put it in your table, format the table properly, run it into your valuation engine, then get the results and then send them out, check them and then send them out. So this was high level, the problem statement. And it took them, I would say a couple of days uh, every month to run this and you'd have two people doing it because you have the two people doing it in parallel the same exercise because of the risk of errors so they will do the same scraping of the data same exercise twice they'll be comparing their outputs any misalignment they will then checking who was right who was wrong or trying to avoid any errors at that point and the errors are very easy because different templates different banks for example they'll have typically in a deal confirmation let it be a future, a toy afford or a swap. You have party A and party B. Uh, and sometimes party A, for example, is going to be the bank. Sometimes party A is going to be you as the client. So getting and who buys and who sells is very easy to get them wrong. So you might get a deal with in the end will be worth instead of minus 100K, it'll be plus 100K. So you get a 200K delta. So getting errors and is very easy, let alone just typing wrong, putting one extra zero, or one zero too many or too little and so on. So. That was a pain point and it was a perfect process to start because it was repetitive, it was standardized, so it was very clear. We had eight banks, not a hundred, so we could define from each bank where to get the data. And it was time consuming and error prone, so perfect candidate for us. And we went with a bit more advanced version of the first bot that which I mentioned. So in this case, we are also uh, categorizing so uh, the different uh, confirmations from different banks and then running uh, well, the bot would then know uh, which bike it was dealing with, where to find the data, and then extract it and put it in. And here we uh, focus on that first part, uh, all the way to the input needed for the evaluation, because the evaluation, applying again the 80-20 rule, we didn't see the cost-benefit in automating that step as well. And we still wanted to have a human uh, check at that point. So after the bot has run, we also built it in such a way that rather than give wrong information, so if in doubt, fail. Because if it fails, you can do something with it. But if you give wrong information, you will never see it. So you might have some times where, for example, a PDF would either be a little bit different from the template. It could happen. Then instead of trying to get the data, don't get any data at all and let the human give it a, that, that as an exception. And then we can learn from it, program the bot to uh, pick that up. Sometimes you get really crap stuff 
Like we had one of the banks started sending the PDFs in Turkish. And instead of being a machine readable PDF, it was just a kind of like a picture. And of course the bot will fail. We could run OCR and OCR optical character recognition, I think, speaking of acronyms, uh, which will try to interpret data, but OCR embeds a level of uncertainty. And in this case, we had no room for uncertainty. So we did not do that, uh, that either. In the end, well, that bot, as far as I know, is still running and is saving a bunch of time to two people who, instead of keying in two really smart people, so instead of spending the time on copy-pasting data, they can now run the valuations, check the data, make sure that it makes sense, um, and then advise uh, the rest of the organization on, with that time on how to do better hedging, for instance, because now they have a few hours or two days a month where they don't need to do this key, key, uh, key entry, data entry, but they can start thinking if our hedging program, is it working? Does it make sense? Uh, should we do, be doing something else? which is way more valuable than copy-pasting data from a PDF. So this is one example, but there are many like this. What we usually see is that uh, if there's one successful project running, even if it's a very small uh, small one, that's usually uh, a great start. And then we usually see more and more projects within the same company uh, because then they really get the hang of it and want to automate more stuff. Mm. Yeah, makes lots of sense. So I really like that example. I have a few questions uh, trying to go into the details. So what if for my um, consultant experience, I know that sometimes bank, so I used to analyze like hundreds of pages of bank fee statements. And sometimes banks just change their templates all of a sudden. And so instead of having certain information somewhere, you have them somewhere else. And then you need a little bit of, you know, interpretation and logic. It's pretty straightforward, but still, it's not the same as you know them. If an OPA is rule-based, how do you tackle this kind of problem if one of the eight banks all of a sudden changes its template? Yeah, in that case, we, uh, well, we had that problem. Uh, and there are two main ways. One I will address, and the other one maybe I can let Jan Willem address as he is the expert. The main one is the most basic one. So as I said, you design it, fail if wrong. So if you see the template has changed, then you give the output, look, I couldn't get the data. And that's not ideal but it's safe and reliable. And, uh, and that means that the, then someone will have to go in the code, have a look at the new template, maintain it, make the few tweaks, and then release it again. In our experience, and that's what we did, and in our experience, you would have that kind of issue, but the turnaround time will be very fast. So if you notice it's not going well, you go in, we had built it in such a way that each bank was standalone. So you didn't have to touch the whole code, but you just you knew exactly where to go. And even a junior developer could make the tweaks and update it. And in a, I would say in two, three hours, you'd have the new version deployed and tested and everything will be okay. That's one way. The other way, which I think Jan Willem was more, is, is, is the expert in, you could start considering having more advanced models and having AI to interpret the information. So it's not rule-based, but you have a trained model on, on getting the data in. Yeah, we see that also with, with invoices, like they're not 10 templates, but they're like unlimited templates. And for example, in, in the realm of treasury, we have, for example, bank guarantees, we also, which also have always another type of text. So you could think of specifically training an AI model in order to, to extract a piece of data out of a document. And then uh, you could integrate that AI model in your RPA robot. So in that way, you can combine the different technologies in order to cater for it and make it more proof that if something changes, then uh, the bots uh, will keep working. 
So that's uh, yeah the, the other solution that uh, yeah and in, and in that setup you can design the bots to have what we call the human in the loop. So every time you have AI, a bit like OCR that I mentioned before, you add an element of uncertainty of risk, and then you can have scores of indexes on how what is the perceived level of uncertainty for a given iteration. Uh, so the model AI model be could say okay I'm hundred percent sure this is the right field or I'm eighty percent sure. And you could set thresholds, anything below 90%, depending how sensitive that data is, you can say then run it through a human. So that there will be a human will be getting notified. The bot is not sure about this field. Can you confirm it? If so, yes. And the benefit of that is that the model, the machine learning or the AI can learn from the human interaction and train itself based on that. It's doable. We've done uh, nothing in production with this just yet. We've done a few pilots ourselves and it works well. But we would not advise a client to start this as the first robot or the first RPA use case. It's uh, quite complex uh, and it might take a bit more time to deploy. Also, because from an organizational point of view, you need a human in the loop ready who knows what to do and understand what is happening. Makes a lot of sense. And I love that we are starting to dig into AI. I have a few follow-up questions for that. But so first and foremost, um, that would be what we call an attended flow then because you still have manual intervention at the end correct or is it a subby one because it's only human in case there is a fail <laughs> exactly in the end it depends how you design it but uh, in this case would be a semi one so you would have an unattended flow and then you could have the human in the loop in a complete it could be on a web page for instance uh, and in the web page he will be seeing the document and he'll be seeing the field and he'll be seeing the data and he can give his input on a web page so it's Hybrid. Let's call it hybrid. It sounds cool. Makes a lot of sense. And last one, uh, just to place the devil's advocate. If we happen to have a ninth bank at some points arriving in the process, then you need to program the RPA to be able to read that new type of confirmation as well, correct? Or would it be able to maybe with a link with AI interpret it right away through the different learning it had? How would it work here? With, with AI, uh, the AI model, if trained properly, should be able to handle it. With RPA not, you need to explicitly define, okay, we have this other template that is now uh, also uh, in scope. And this is how it looks like. You have to go there in the documents to extract that piece of information. So it's, uh, yeah, in that, that way we see that, uh, that RPA can become stronger by, uh, by using AI. That's very cool. And so, Jan Willem, to, to dig a little bit into that, can RPA be used to train AI and then have the two tools work together for an optimal output? Would that be the ideal state? Yeah, I think so. Especially what Phil is saying, like if there's already an AI model in place, but it is not trained or not trained good enough, so it makes a bunch of mistakes, but if you build in a step where the human can give feedback, afterwards you can fine tune the, the AI model and uh, give it the feedback like, hey, this is uh, uh, something we detected. This should be the, the output. So this was the input. This should be the output. Then the AI can be fine tuned and uh, in another iteration, it will probably do a better job of ex extra giving the right, uh, the right output. So. Uh, that way you can at least gather data to, uh, to fine-tune the, uh, the AI model with an RPA solution. 
That's very, very cool. So that answers the question that we had around uh, how does AI can complement RPA in treasury operations. But then if we go a little bit deeper, are there other specific use cases like make us dream, Jan William, how, how could the combination of AI and RPA be particularly beneficial for corporate treasury? If we uh, like, so the confirmation we see this particular example into reading data, into PDFs and in helping the RPA interpret it for new ones and abnormal ones. What else is out there that we could imagine in treasury um, with the combination of AI and RPAs? Yeah, so uh, looking to the future and, uh, well, what's, uh, like what inspired us a lot, at least me, was uh, seeing uh, OpenAI's code interpreter recently. So you can basically throw in a bunch of data and it will extract all kind of insights uh, for you on the fly. Um, so that probably gives you, well, if, if that evolves a little bit more, could have the potential to connect your data to an AI model and get, well, real-time insights on, in what your next, next best actions could be as a treasurer. If you add an RPA layer on top, you could say, well, uh, this, this is what the AI proposes. Uh, do it for me because uh, there's no need in doing it manually, but you could automate that as well. So if we fantasize a little bit about that, then, uh, well... We, you would have some kind of a robot treasurer, like thinking for itself, uh, a human in between saying, okay, go ahead, uh, I agree with you and, and do it. And of course, that's, that's the ideal world, I think, for the uh, corporate uh, treasurer. That sounds indeed very, very cool. Guys, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Super interesting. I'm happy that we got to enter into the technical details of RPAs. That's, I mean, in itself, it's a bit outside corporate treasury one, but we can definitely see that there are applications for corporate treasury that could help hugely treasury departments. So thanks a lot for this. I think we clearly mentioned it during the episode, but so if people would like to know more about RPAs, start training themselves, start finding resources, I think you mentioned quite a few for free. Can you recap a bit and explain where people could go if they want to learn more about all this? Yeah, sure. I think we will also put give you the, the links. We mentioned UiPath, which is one of the leading vendors in RPA, has a great academy. Microsoft, the whole... Um, it used to be called Microsoft Flow. I think now it's called Microsoft Power Automate has good training resources as well. Last but not least, you can always come and visit us at automationboutique.com and we are very happy to help you. We are going to be releasing a new website very soon where we put some training information as well. There are some really good Discord channels, uh, which I cannot remember the name of right now, but we'll make sure to give you the link so you can uh, check them out. A bunch of geeks, really a lot of people willing to help you out. And the forums, again, the UiPath, the usual Stack Overflow, those are all good places to go and, and find, find information. Amazing. Thank you so much. So you mentioned it's the Automation Boutique website. is going to be, there's going to be a new one live soon. If people would like to reach out to you directly, could we put the LinkedIn profiles uh, somewhere in the description as well? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for having us.